0: Listening to a podcast from Turner's Hill Free Church. For more information and resources, visit turnershillfreechurch.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. So, as you already know, my name is Chris Eke, and um, I've come all the way from Didcot, and um, I I I pastor a church, the Ridgeway Community Church, Didcot. Um, I work with Gareth Lloyd-Jones. I believe he was here some months ago. And, um, he's one of the leaders of the Kinetic Network. And that's how I got to know Jeff. Anyway, so this morning, I just want to share an important, a very special message, especially one that the Lord, um, used to really transform my life. And I believe that it is a, it is a, it's a message for the season and also for the church as well. Okay. So um, i titled the message, Your Identity in Christ Jesus. Your Identity in Christ Jesus. See, a few years ago, I was going through a difficult season in my life and I wasn't in ministry then. And um, and I was praying. I was also reading this book that about prayer. Okay. Um, It was how to pray effectively. I think that was the title of the book. And as I was reading it, I came to this part where Arthur said that in prayer, you should have the faith of God or speak with the faith of God. And I was thinking, this feels un- uncomfortable, okay? I, 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 it feels uncomfortable with me, all right? And I still feel uncomfortable with it. But what that did was it started... A search in scripture from Matthew to Revelation where I made notes of everything that I thought spoke about our identity in Christ. I made notes of it. And I'm telling you, church, it's amazing. It's amazing what you find in scripture concerning who you are in Christ, who you are in Christ. Anyway, so that is what the, 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 the sermon will be on. And, you know, this is a broad topic that would need a sermon series in itself. So I'm not going to talk about everything. I'll talk about some bits that I think, you know, would hopefully be helpful, okay, for you in, in your journey or in terms of your pursuit or your understanding um, of who you are in Christ Jesus. A good place to start is scripture, isn't it? Yeah. All right? All right, so I've got some scripture passages here on the screen. If you have your Bible, please turn to John 3.3. Or you can read from the screen here. This is the ESV version. John 3.3, it says this. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is obviously Nicodemus who came to Jesus seeking answers. And this was what the Lord said to him. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Galatians 2, 20. This is Paul. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live is, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'll explain that later. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Amen? Amen. 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 Romans 8, 15-16. I want you to make some notes of this one. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Adoption as sons. Ephesians 1, 4-5. Paul again even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Adoption as sons. Galatians 4, 4 But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive again adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Let's start with a bit of introduction. See, the first three that I shared, the first three (coughs) passages, talks about being born again, something old, your old self dying off, and something you've been created. The first three passages. Okay? Christ said that, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay? Some commentaries I've read said, it, it's, it's like a spiritual new birth. It is a spiritual new birth. It's like a child being born in a family. I have a, a six-month-old um, daughter. Okay? A couple of years ago, We didn't even know her. (laughs) Alright? But now she's she's been born into our family. She's a child in our family. She's our daughter in our family. And some of the the, the commentaries actually say that that is what it it looks like. Being born again is like the old self is done away with and something new. You have been born into God's family. Born again. Paul talked about Being crucified with Christ. The old self is done away with. It's not Christ who lives in him. Something new in him. Okay? Christ in him. The hope of glory. Amen? Alright? We look at the the other three passages. Also, 2 Corinthians 5.17. A great one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. You've been created anew. The old is done away with the new has come the second three that um, that we looked at talked about adoption adoption that gives you the image of actually not being done away with but you being adopted into God's family the main point is this, it's not like they're contradicting each other, the main point is this Either being created anew, the old self being done, being born into God's family or being adopted, their main point is, you are now a child of God. Either by being born anew or being adopted, you are a child of God. That is what it talks about. That is the point. And this morning, my focus is going to be on adoption. It's going to be on adoption because I think it speaks so much to us. Okay? So what is adoption? What is an adoption? I took this definition from the adoption and foster care website. And this is what it says. It says, Adoption is the legal process by which a child or a family group of children who cannot be brought up within their birth family becomes full, permanent, and legal members of their new family. Adopters become the child's legal parents with the same rights and responsibility as if the child was born to them. Meaning, through adoption, the child becomes like a biological child. Yeah? That means, through adoption, this child takes on the new name, the name of the family that they belong to. The name of the family they belong to. They move from where they are and they're now based in this new family. They live with them. Now they sit at the table of their new family and eat with them. They eat with them. Everything changes about them regarding their identity. They're new. And Paul kept emphasizing in his epistles that we are adopted children of God. We adopted children of God. But the truth is, in Paul's day during the Roman Empire, apparently adoption even went further than that. I was reading this commentary about what Paul was thinking of when he wrote this. And I'll read this to you. It says that he was thinking of four main things, especially in the Roman Empire during that time. Four main consequences as a result of adoption. One, the adopted person lost all rights in his old family, and gained all rights of a fully legitimate son in his new family. In the most literal sense, and in the most Biden-legal way, he got a new father. Two, it followed that he became heir to, um, to his new father's estate. Even if other sons were afterwards born who were real blood relations, it did not affect his rights. He was co heirs with them. It says that we're heirs with Christ, right? When you read it. Three, in law, this is the important bit, in law, the old life of the adopted person was completely wiped out. In law, completely wiped out. For instance, legally, all debts were canceled. Canceled. And adoption in the Roman Empire at that time, it wasn't really only about children. It was about even older people. And it was done for different purposes. All debts cancelled. They were wiped out as if they had never been. The adopted person was regarded as a new person entering into a new life with, um, with which the past had nothing to do with. That's amazing. That's amazing. All our sins wiped out. Church, it's excited. it's great. Fourth, in the eyes of the Lord, the adopted person was um, literally and absolutely the son of his new father. And Paul said, we have been adopted as children of God. This is something to be excited about. This is a truth that we should celebrate. This is something great for us. It's amazing. But I'll give you an example of an experience I I went through. This was a few years ago and I was working in Kenya. It's sad about the news in Kenya of the terrorist attack recently. Very sad. Kenya is a beautiful country. It's a very nice country with wildlife and everything. And I was working there as an intern. I was working in a humanitarian organization, not a humanitarian organization, but more of an international development organization because that is my background. And um, I was working in this organization, <clears throat> and as an intern, obviously you don't earn much. I was on three hundred dollars a month, I think, and so I was living in this student hostel. Okay, it was it was a decent place. Okay, and I used to take the bus to work, and every time I would go to work and I'd come, um, as soon as I got um, I got down, walk into the hostel, I saw these street kids who came to me begging. Okay, they wanted money. Some were from families that were really poor, okay, really poor, and as an alternative source of income, they made their children go out to beg so that they could bring some some money in. Others, they were just orphans, they were just on the streets. They didn't have family, they didn't have anyone. They begged to survive, and they slept rough on the street, okay? Anyway, so whenever I see them, I'll just give them some money and stuff, I remember there was one, um, one day I came back from work and as I, as I got down, I saw them and they would, they just, and I mean, if they know you're generous, they would, they would just, every day, you know, every day they expect something. And they came and, and I gave them some money. But that evening, we met, we met every evening in the hostel to pray between, I think, 7.30 to 12. And that evening when we were praying, the Lord laid on my heart to pray for the offense. It was a Saturday evening. I'm um, sorry, the street kids. So it was a Saturday evening. And I was praying for them. I shared it with the, with the group and we're praying for them. And all of a sudden, the, the picture of one boy, one boy among them, came to mind. And I kept praying for him. Kept praying for him. Next day, Sunday, I went to church, walked in, and I looked around, and all of these street kids were there. And I was thinking to myself, Whoa, what are they doing here? So I asked the pastor. Like, it's not that they weren't invited, but it was it was surprising because we were just praying for them just the day before that, okay, the, the Saturday. And I asked the pastor, what happened? He said, um, well, when he was walking in to church, he looked at them and he felt the Lord say, invite them to worship and, and give them a meal afterwards, okay? But he said, as as he did that, there was one boy that stood from the rest and he felt the Lord saying, take him in, raise him in the way of the Lord. That boy was the same boy wow. that I had in mind. The same boy. His name was Celestine. Okay? So after the meal, after the service, they, um, the, the pastor said obviously he needs to inquire about Celestine's background. He went and inquired about it. It was his uncle. His uncle told him that listen, um, Celestine's mom died. And dad married another woman. The woman didn't want anything to do with him. Influenced um, um, his dad. And he also decided that he doesn't want anything to do with Celestine. So Celestine has been on the streets and begging, fending for himself and everything. Very, very sad story. And his uncle said he's not even in a good position to take care of him as well. So what he would prefer is if the church took him in. Okay? So the church took Celestine in. And there was a lady who lived in um, in the church compound, and she was taking care of Celestine. All right, so great. Celestine had a place now to stay. All right, and I remember, I, you know, when you when I saw Celestine on the streets, the first time I saw him, he had like trousers on. His trousers, no, he had shorts on. They were torn. They were dirty. He looked like he's not had a shower for days. Okay, um, he had flip flops on. The flip flops had holes underneath it. He might as well walk barefooted. Okay, it was that bad. But the next time I saw Celestine in the church, he had new decent trousers on. He's had a, a, a shave like they, they, they cut his hair. He looks decent. New change of clothes on. New shoes. He had two. He had smart and he had casual. He looked like a totally different boy. Wow. Totally different boy. Anyway. A few days after that, I came back from work, got down at the bar stop. Here was Celestine, dressed very nice. He stood out among his friends because he looked like he was from a well-to-do family now, still begging on the streets. He saw me, he ran to me, expecting that I would favor him. Why? Because he knows me from church. So he came with his hands out And I looked at him and I said to him, what are you doing out here? You're not supposed to be begging anymore. He didn't understand English, but he could sense that, you know, I wasn't pleased. So I held him, I marched him to the church and I asked him, why is he still out there? Said they don't know. So I was thinking that maybe he is hungry or something. And I asked, has he eaten? Said he's had breakfast. He's had lunch. For lunch, he had ugali. For those who have been to Kenya, ugali is some heavy stuff. You know, honestly, it will see you through for at least three hours. All right? This boy has had ugali with fish. And he's out there begging. And I was thinking, what is going on here? I told him, I told him to warn him and tell him, I don't want to see him out there anymore. Okay? Anyway, a couple of days later, got down. Here was Celestine again, begging. But as soon as he saw me this time, he started running, pretending as if he was just passing by. All right? I asked about his well-being, and they told me that he's been enrolled in school. He's uh, a couple of years behind his age because he's not been in school for a long time. They said he is a quick learner, but what happens is sometimes he doesn't show up to school, or sometimes during lunchtime, he ends up, he doesn't show up again. So he comes half day and then he goes and starts begging on the street. It took a while for Celestine to transition to being the boy that lived in the church. It took a while. So church, sometimes when we talk about adoption, being adopted into God's family, it takes that transition and realigning of your mind, realigning right of your thoughts. To who you really are in Christ Jesus. And that's what I want to share about now. Okay? So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us? If we're adopted into God's family. What does it mean for us? One. It means. God chose us. God chose you. He chose you. From what I know of adoption, it is usually the adopted parents that choose the child or the children. In the case of Celestine, the pastor chose him. The Bible says that God chose us and predestined us to be adopted as sons. And I would like to leave this as a whole topic for Jeff to, to preach later. okay? But what, what, what does this mean? It means that the creator of everything desired you. He desired you to have you as a son to have you as a daughter through Christ he loved you so much that he gave his son for you in order to have you as his let us sink in let us transform your heart let us us shape the way you see God he loves you he loves you therefore he's not going to turn around and say oh Sorry, I made a mistake. You know, um, I I don't want you anymore. No. No. He's not going to turn around and disown you. No. He chose you. He loves you. That is our God. That is our God. He chose me. Chose you. To save you, to adopt you as his, that I shape you, that I transform you, that I inspire you, that I renew your mind. He's a loving God. Ephesians 2 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace, it is not your own doing. It is a gift that he gave to have you. Gift. gift. He chose you. He chose you. If you have any doubts, does he love me? Am I good enough? Well, so long as you have faith in Christ, so long as you know he is your Lord, I'm telling you, he loves you with an everlasting love. Two, what does this mean for you and I? It means restoration of self-worth. Restoration of self-worth. See, I gave you an example of Celestine being taken in from the streets into the church. Although he struggled with the change, his self-worth changed with it as well. It changed with it as well. From the moment he was taken in, a sense of dignity was restored. His clothes changed. And you know what? The picture I get from scripture, the prodigal son soon as he got into the house the dad said listen don't bother talking change those clothes change those clothes restore that dignity of a a son a child that was restored and a ring was put on his finger church if you are in Christ that is restoration self worth is restored You know, I gave you an example of Celestine being taken in. But imagine Celestine being adopted into the royal family. That is big, isn't it? Everything changes. Where he felt like he was a loser, he's not anymore. In the royal family, something has happened. And how much more the creator of everything adopting you as his. People of God, whatever you have done in the past, whatever you were known as, whatever someone said to you to belittle you or make you feel as though you were nothing, in Christ, you are royalty. You are a child of the king. And your self worth is restored. It is restored. You are. Your self worth is not found in your ethnicity. It is not. It is not found in the money you have or you don't have. Self worth is not found in the person that you so desire to love you, but they don't love you. Your self worth is not in that. Your self worth is not in your past. Perhaps you were known as an alcoholic, a, dra- a drug addict, or you were known as someone who gave themselves to be used by others because you wanted others- other people's affection. Church, that's not where you find your self worth. It is in Christ. Hallelujah. It is in Christ. And that puts you to the status of a child of God. That is the highest privilege. The highest, what what do I call it? It's not even a title. Identity. That's it. That anyone can have. For those who feel that they are um, superior than others. Well, when they come to faith, they have to humble themselves... To believe in this Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ, in order to receive by grace through faith the salvation that comes as well with the identity of a child of God. If I go to a village, some poor person living in some hut somewhere, so long as they put their faith in Christ and they believe in him as their savior, they are no longer meant to be identified as such. They are my brother. They are my sister. They are also elevated to a child of God. That's who we are. So don't look down on yourself like you are a loser. Know you are a victor. You are more than a conqueror. Do not say that nothing good happens to me like you are a victim. No, your father is the king. Ask that your joy may be made full. Restoration of self worth in Christ. This is not a fairy tale. This is reality. And the day you will pass on into glory, you would know. You would know for sure. But don't wait till that day. It is now. It is now. Third, what does this mean for us? It means you belong to a family and a kingdom. You belong to a family and a kingdom. As adopted children, we belong to God's family and we are citizens of his kingdom. Philippians 3:20 says that but, but our citizenship is in heaven. It's not being British, it's not Ghanaian, it's not wherever you identify as. Your citizenship is heaven. Heaven. That is where we, 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 we are. That's where God dwells. And, and, and where he is, that is where he wants us to be. That is, We are children. We are his. That's our citizenship. And we belong to him. God has adopted us as his children. That means we have been brought into a relationship with him. We are no longer alienated from him. We have been brought into a relationship with him. We have a relationship with him now. Where we can call him father. And he can call us son, daughter, children of God. Isn't that wonderful, church? In a family relationship, there's communication. That is prayer. Communicate. See, prayer is not only about, give me, give me, give me. Yes, ask that your joy may be made full. But actually, it's about relationship. Being in that place, fellowshipping with your, with your father. Being in that place with him. Spending time with him. Being shaped and molded by him. Communication. Seeing the safety of a family, there's love. There's provision. He provides. And I can testify to that. He's the God who provides. Amen. There's protection. There's a shaping of character in the household. And God is responsible for that as well. He's responsible for that. See, when Celestine was taken in by the church... He was told not to go out and beg on the streets anymore. He was told not to use foul languages anymore. He was told to respect the people who are older than him. He was told to come back to the church premises at a certain time. But when he was out there on the streets, he was free with regard to all of that. He could do whatever he wants. Church, as children of God as children of God, adopted into his family, we can't just do whatever we want. We can't just do whatever we want. Listen, you're living under his roof. You're living in his kingdom. You can't just get up and do whatever you want. Do you get it? You know, sometimes sometimes people think that, um, um, I'll give you an example. So so, let's say I see my son Jeremiah, yeah, out there with his friends throwing rocks at this house. Obviously, anyone passing by, you know, an older person who, who who looks at that would think, nah, "This is wrong." So I'll, I'll tell them, "Stop it, stop." But if they continue doing the same thing, if they continue doing the same thing, what will I do? I can't go and drag all of that. I'll go to my son Jeremiah and say, hey, come with me. Because I am responsible for him. Do you see? Is, there, is the mic off? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. And Church. As an adopted child of God, God is responsible for shaping your character. See, others who are unbelievers can do what they want, and later on they'll be judged. Right? But, as a child of God living under his roof, as I said, in his kingdom, we have to live in a manner that is worthy of the calling, pleasing and acceptable to him. Church, it is not legalism to desire to live a godly life. It is not legalism to desire to live a godly life. It is not legalism to desire to live a life of restraint and self-control to the glory of God. It is not legalism. It is not legalism to live a life of obedience to God's ways and his words. But it is this legalism, when you start saying that, you know, you start picking the sort of things that you should do and you start defining it in your own terms and you're calling other people to adhere to those sort of that is legalism but this isn't legalism you belong to a family he's shaping and molding you to be more like Christ Jesus yeah if you were adopted into the royal family there are lots of things that will tell you not to do because you'll be breaking royal protocols and for a lot of people they will be like okay that's okay But actually, why is it so different when you come to faith and it's like, oh, this is just too restrictive. But actually, if you were adopted into a royal family, that's the same thing you would do, right? Well, it's a family affair here. You're a child of God. Do we get it? Yes. Also, in a family, there's brothers and sisters, the church, the church. The church, we've been adopted into a family, love the church, love each other, love each other, love to fellowship together. The Bible says do not neglect the meeting together of the saints. It is important when the family meets together and celebrate the risen Lord. Make it a priority. It is important. It's a family. How much time do I have? Five. Okay, let's say five minutes. Let's say five minutes. Let's say five minutes, okay? Finally, victory over the kingdom of darkness. Yes. Victory over the kingdom of darkness. See, this is an important one. I remember when I was growing up in Ghana, in Ghana, during that time, I mean, if you see a house that did not have a wall or a fence around it, you could just walk through that house. It was okay. It was sort of like a puff. It was a compound house. That was what it was called. And I remember I came from school. I think I was 12 or 13. I came from school, walking home, and I thought to myself, okay, today, let me just take a shortcut, okay? So I went through this house that did not have a, a wall around it. And as I was walking through there was this man and this woman sitting there and I think the man must have been intoxicated or something, was drunk, I think. And he looked at me as I was walking and said, started shouting, why are you walking through here? Why are you not supposed to be walking past here? And he took his slippers and threw it at me. And as he threw it, the woman turned to him and said, hey, do you know whose son that is? It's that man that lives, and we were, I was from a well-to-do family. Things changed along the line. But during that time, I was, you know, we had him. Said, that man that lives in that building, that's his son. And his tone changed straight away. Straight away. And the woman said, Oh, pay him no mind. It's okay. You can pass here anytime. Church, do you know whose son or daughter you are? <laughs> Do you know? Do you know? That stuck with me. People of God, before your adoption, the devil and the demons had power over you. They could frustrate your life. They could abuse you and influence you to sin. They could possess you and bind you with all sorts of things. But now that you are adopted, that has changed. It has changed. But, you need to know whose child you are in order to exercise the authority you have in Christ. See, if Celestine was adopted into the royal family and he visited Kenya and he met someone who used to abuse him and throw things at him, yeah, and the person came again to do it, but yet he did not know that he is not meant to do this to me because I am royalty. He's not meant to do this to me because I have a father and a mother now. If he did not know that, that would continue. Do you you, you sort of get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But the knowledge of his identity puts him in that place to say, hey, actually, no, you can't do this anymore. Do you see? Do you see what I mean? Well, (laughs) in Christ, Our father is seated on the throne. God is not panicking about what the devil will do to him or like, you know, that there's a not point, not, not, not 1% chance that the devil would overthrow. He's not panicking. He's seated in majesty. He's unmoved in power. That is our God. You read the book of Job. The devil even comes to ask permission. You know, Comes to ask permission, you read the gospel of Jesus, they were begging that he shouldn't just say go. The Bible says with one word, go. They came out. There's no contention. There isn't any contention. When God decides to put his foot down, it's a done deal. We know the end already. It's been written. It's been declared. But, when you read Ephesians, it talks about wrestling against, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, we should put on the whole armor of God the reason for that is because we are fighting against a rebel a defeated rebel who will not give up although he knows that he's defeated, he will still fight Frustrate your, that's the reason why you need to stand firm but resist the devil and he will what? flee from you Sometimes we see Christians and they can be so afraid of the devil and demonic spirits and and there's wisdom in that. I'm not saying that we should should be flippant about it. But that shouldn't be an irrational fear. Someone would say, um, there's a curse on me and my family. You know, we are cursed. And I believe in praying and breaking curses and, you know, deliverance. I believe in that. But for some people, they still live in this place of fear and intimidation and a sense of being defeated. And that is not it. You're not defeated. There's victory. So as a child of God, you're set free in Christ. We are given the authority in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, as I said, is seated on the throne. We share in the inheritance. We also share in the power and authority of the kingdom. Come on. you share sharing that. So as a child of God, victory is on your side. Do not be intimidated by the enemy. Don't buy into his lies. There's a lot that Jesus has placed for us. It's not only just salvation. It's big. Finally, the gospel. The gospel and identity. Church, ultimately we have all of this and more because of Jesus Christ. The son of God didn't only come to save you from sin. He also came that you may have a new life and be adopted as a child of God. On the cross, our sin and cares was laid on Him so that we could receive righteousness and blessings. On the cross, He was rejected and forsaken so that we can be accepted and adopted as children of God. In Christ alone, does all these things hold together in Him and being found in Him. Do we have the greatest treasure of all? In Him. In Him. So today, I just, I trust that this message would inspire you. I trust that it would cause you to realign yourself to your true identity. I trust that it would cause you to truly know, not just there somewhere but actually in your heart that God really loves you. I trust that you would you would have a be- a better understanding of your authority and identity in Christ. shall we pray let's just reflect on this word for a second.